0: I don't know about you, I keep thinking about Thanksgiving. My Thanksgiving was horrible. I had a cold all Thursday, and uh, I stayed in my my, uh, house by myself. Sandy had to go to work. Uh, The same thing is going to be true for Christmas. It's going to be a horrible Christmas. (laughs) Uh, Sandy has to work Christmas, and so I'll go home the day after Christmas, and so it's delayed. But that's okay, because in Japan, we never celebrated Christmas on the 25th. They don't celebrate Christmas. They celebrate the emperor's birthday, so they make it a holiday anyway. So, but we'll celebrate later. But as I think about uh, the traditions and and the um, patterns that we set up, I, I want to go through this season thinking about those who do not have the capacity to sing the Christmas carols from their own spirit. As I'm addressing the the um, the series is, I'm thinking about the unbeliever who's asking questions about why do we do what we do, who don't understand what we understand and adore. And so last, last week, just to review, the question of God promises what? These angels? I don't believe in angels. And uh, you've got to be kidding. This Virgin Mary, as you think about uh, all that... I don't know if I believe that's supernatural stuff. But last week we said, uh, as Mary would walk, respond in faith through the questions, the theme last week was about uh, the faithfulness of God, and the hope that when God says something, He will do it. For no word from God will ever fa- would ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary responded by faith. May your word be to me fulfilled. That same word will be fulfilled in you today. As you respond to Christ by faith, but the non-believer can't respond and therefore he won't be fulfilled by the Word of God. And we talked last week about our brother Luke and as the doctor who's familiar with delivery and birth, he was the one and only the one that would talk about the humanity of Christ, that the divine would become human. And uh, this week we may think about Matthew uh, in a different light, because Matthew is going to answer some of these questions that the non Christian would have. It's about this king, about the prophecy of, but he's coming not only to uh, start holidays, and he's coming for a different purpose. And so last week, we mentioned the fact that the prophecies that were told long ago in the Old Testament. Uh, were being fulfilled in that special night. And the whole cosmos was changed. I foretold the former things long ago. My mouth announced them, and I made them known. Then suddenly I acted, and they came to pass. That's our God. When he moves and he promises, he fulfills. He's not a man that he should lie. So we, we looked at this angel speaking to Mary, and the angel spoke to these two women. The angel did not speak to Elizabeth. But the miracle on, on that side uh, would be coming through the fact that Elizabeth would name John the Baptist. Mary would name Jesus the son of, uh, son of God. But these two contrasting unknown people, one from a rural, one from an urban setting, God works in every human life without exception around the world. Every creation, every man, every woman, every child, God's looking, watching, whether they know it or not, whether they believe it or not. And yet, for us as believers, we understand that God is working in a supernatural way, in a natural order. So we're not unfamiliar with angels and how he works. And lastly, we we talked about a misunderstanding how sometimes you have this thinking imported from culture. And we'll look at that again today. But the idea that the Immaculate Conception is not about the birth of Jesus, according to the doctrine, uh, is declared to be about Mary being without sin and being a perfect woman, and she became the mother of God. We, we touched that a little bit. But I wanted to go back to something. As I was growing up, as I went through the holidays, and I don't know what your Christmases were like, it wasn't a. There were seven kids in our family, but I, I didn't know about Christmas until after I became a Christian. I knew about holidays and gifts and Christmas trees and nuts and oranges and hard rock candy, those kind of things. And remember those stencils you put on the window—Santa <whistles> sleighs and Christmas trees—and that was. Kind of a secular Christmas that I went through. There was never anything religious except maybe a. Uh, I mean, the hymns we'd sing, but we we never appreciated those things. You see, I came from a part of America at that time in 1971 or, or 50s, or 53 when I was born. Uh, my family wasn't a Christian family. And so we never had any religious or spiritual input in Christmas. And between 1940 and 1972, this is a thumbnail thing for me, but about 75% of the country was religious in its orientation. And we'll talk about that. But the idea that there was a consensus, there was a worldview, that was a Christian, and therefore we understood, and the times were stable because you knew because of the Christian values that permeated our culture. The Christian values of community, the Christian values of respect, the Christian values of of, of responsibility. We knew what was right and we knew what was wrong. And at that time, the mainline denominational churches, the Presbyterian church, the Methodist church, the, the Lutheran church, the Episcopalian church, and then the Baptists, the Southern American churches. When you talk and you throw in the Catholic, the predominant mindset of American culture when I was growing up was we're Christian nation under God. We understood that. And therefore, when we would go into celebrating holidays, it wasn't just celebrating the holidays. It was celebrating the birth of Christ. But in 1960s, it shifted Little bit by little bit, and the mood became 65% were religious, 35% became secular, with atheism starting to grow a little bit. Never before was it acceptable to be an atheist. It was kind of always questioned, Are you, you're an atheist. But it's grown to have a, such a root in our society that we have almost a third of of 40% rounded off that there's a secular element in our in our culture and that's been there that's how i grew up and it was a religious secular divide now one of the things i want to share about uh, with you is is that there's something holding us together as a as a nation that we would be stable and civil and that was called This force of religious, it was a centripetal force. Like a merry-go-round, when you get on the merry-go-round, that power holds that center together because it's controlled by the center and it just goes around. But what held us together as a country was a common core understanding of the Christian values. And therefore, we were civil. We were moral. We had a perspective of ethics. We knew and we were called the moral majority. But, little bit by little bit, we, while we were focused on the church, the unchurch were focused on the culture. And the culture was under attack and being uh, motivated by other forces in the world. And slowly and surely, the moral majority changed to have an immoral majority. And therefore, we have a new centripetal force. This dominant of secular humanism came into play and power politics and sociological law, an untethering of God, saying, we don't need God, we don't need God. And therefore, it may come a day, it may come a day where we will see 65% of our culture being secularized, and 35% being religious. Now, the book, the little book of atheist spirituality, asks the question, what remains of the Christian West when it ceases to be Christian? Well, one of the things it will do is it will change the definition of the word peace. And what we understand as being peace will be no more than material prosperity and personal comfort. As long as you are happy in your world, you don't have to be concerned about anything else. When the Christian worldview is supplanted by a secular worldview, you end up saying these things. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Because you will try to accommodate And this is what has happened already because those large mainline denominations have shifted and so the the churches have decreased in their attendance and there is now no common core of faith. Uh, The central religious force was waning and all of a sudden you have multiple groups. Tribalism takes place and Christ is pushed to the corners. And therefore, the new core force that's really competing for that center is a secular force, a secular humanism. And when the church recedes to the sides, what's at the core? And what the, what's at the core is what progressive liberals will step in, secular culture will step in, and they will influence not only the culture, but they will influence the church. And therefore, what you see, without even noticing it, you'll see things like the United States Postal Service making stamps. That's an innocent thing, isn't it? I mean, what's wrong with saying uh, Happy Holidays? But notice these stamps. None of them are religious. Well, is that a problem? Well, it's just a stamp, you say. Well... Did you know in the last decade, the Postal Service has added more stamps to celebrate the diversity in our culture, which is not a bad thing, is it? I don't know. You know what uh, Kwanzaa is? Anybody ever hear of Kwanzaa? Yeah, it's uh, after 1960s and the Rod's riots, and um, a man uh, named uh, uh, Karenga, he said that uh, Kwanzaa was meant to be an alternative to Christmas. He believed that Jesus was psychotic and Christianity was a white religion and that black people should not be participating in white religion. As Kwanzaa gained mainstream adherence, Karinga adhered his position so that practicing Christians wouldn't be offended. Stating in the 1997 book, uh, a celebration of family, community, and the church that Kwanzaa was not created to give people an alternative to their own religion or religious holiday. But now you have a mixture Kwanzaa and Christmas. Well, how about this one? Aid greetings. Here's a stamp. And so this is the Muslim greeting. And aid means uh, Aid Mubarak, aid is feast. Mubarak is a blessing. And so now you have the culture uh, recognizing that there's diversity. And uh, the idea that you'd say, aid Mubarak, you, would say, uh, you wouldn't say, happy, aid happy. You would say uh, a blessing through this feast because at the end of Ramadan, you want to break the fest. This is not a Christian. This is not a, a, a Christmas religious holiday. This is a Muslim holiday that's added into the holiday seasons, well, we have a lot of these things. Hanukkah, you know about Hanukkah. But again, this is not a, this is not a celebration of Christ. It's a celebration of uh, the restoration of Jerusalem, uh, a, a military campaign that turned out to be victorious. And so the festival of lights and the rededication of the second temple. And so what you have is these encroaching symbols and things that are crouching in that's pushing Christ to the corner. But when you hear, see these pictures what comes to mind ah ah this is familiar because we know Christmas is about the worship the mass worship of Christ and therefore it's not about military victory it's not about getting together with family it's not about having your country or, or your your group being recognized and therefore You probably, like a lot of people, if you're not in the secular world, may ask Charlie Brown's question, isn't there anyone who knows about Christmas at all? Well, Linus says, sure, Charlie Brown, I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Christian, can you tell what Christmas is all about? And when was the last time you talked to somebody to talk about what Christ came to do? For Christ would say, right before he would go lead the disciples, uh, he would say to the, the Gentiles, he says, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, if you knew the things that would bring you peace, but you don't, and therefore, it's incumbent upon us as Christians to speak, go tell it on the mountain, to communicate who this Christ is and what he came to do. But because of silence and because of ignorance, it's hidden from their eyes. One of the things that we know is that when Christ came, he came to bring peace. That shalom of Christmas is the shalom that you can only get from the presence of God. It's not something that He adds to your bank account. It's not some commodity that He sends your way. It's a personal engagement where Christ looks you in the eye and embraces you. It's a peace that says there's nothing that's going to be an obstacle between me and my Lord. And therefore, what I was built for. I've been brought back into this relationship. And therefore, we say, Merry, joyful Christmas. Uh, Do you know Merry Christmas is only said in the Christian religion? You don't say Happy Christmas. You don't say um, Blessed Christmas. You say Merry Christmas. Because merriment is that sense of liveliness, that gaiety, that sense of wonder. This is a good thing. And so we sing because something has taken place in the human heart. And we sing about that in our hymns, don't we? But when Jesus said, my peace I give to you, it's not only the peace of salvation, it's the peace of his personal presence and the gift of the Holy Spirit that makes you come alive in Christ, alive in that relationship. Why on earth would you substitute this for happy holidays? So when you understand that when the secular comes in, they're offering a, a substitute, an artificial, temporary system of honoring, getting together, eating food, and then it's over. There is no flame. There is no more hope than just going through the season. And day after day and year after year, they continue with no God in their system. And therefore, the peace that Christ came has been hidden from their eyes. Remember what Kelly read earlier? She said, comfort, comfort, O my people, says your God. Speak kindly to Jerusalem and call to her that her warfare has ended that her iniquity has been removed. For she has received of the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. And a voice is calling. A voice. It's the voice of this little child who would one day say, follow me. And I will give you my peace. But as long as the secular world comes in and subtly, and sometimes not so subtly, through... Supreme Court appointees and legislative battles and tensions and culture wars and you will have tribulation. But if there's no God, you won't have the peace. But the gift that he gives you this Christmas is not a gift. It's himself. And therefore, you know God, no peace. But if you know God, you know his peace as you go into this as, as you go into this christmas season i hope you're able to separate all the hubbub and black friday black monday black tuesday black cyber whatever and understand that somebody's trying to steal from you your peace But christ you need to get along with him spend time with him read the story Keep him at the center. Reclaim that because you need to speak out. Because if you don't, that little light of yours will be smothered by a culture that's going to push you to the side. There's a lot of people who don't know Christ. So I'm going to invite you this year to make it a point to tell your story. Make it a point to witness for Christ. Lift up the name of Jesus Christ. And don't say, Happy Holidays. Say, Merry Christmas. This is about Jesus. This is his birthday. Do you, know what, do you know what it's all about? He came for salvation. He came to give you peace. He came to call your name. That's the invitation. That's good news. The secular guy doesn't get it yet until the Holy Spirit opens his eyes. Well, with that, let me stop here. Because as we go through this season, you need to be thinking This isn't just about your personal peace. It's about something that God is doing throughout the whole world. And therefore, Christians, stand up. Be strong. Have your hope polished and your peace deep as we move into this Advent season. Understand he came once and understand he's coming again. And you'll celebrate that feast with him in heaven. Let's pray. Father, thank you. That the shalom of Jesus is ours. Thank you, Jesus, that you give your word, your promise. And it's already been proven on that cross. And death can't hold you down. So the power that gives you life is the same power that you give to us. Father, we want to celebrate you. We want to understand that that little town of Bethlehem, that glory of the Father, all that we sing in terms of Well, Holy Night is a reality, not just a tradition. So, Father, we thank you, and I pray this week for each and everyone here that there would be some opportunity for them to get into a conversation with people who do not know Christ Jesus. Father, give us the tongue to speak and give us the heart to listen and share the good news of Christ. Use your church, Father, around the world and light that candle. This sitting in darkness. We just ask you to do that for your glory and our growth, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.